Welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm talking with the cowboy. JavaScript. Yeah. We got some coffee script. Boku in the house. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. So, can you give me a 15 second summary of who you are and what you do? 15 second summary. Let's yeah. see. Uh, my name is Ben Allman, aka Cowboy. Mm-hmm. I've had that nickname for like 20 years before the internet, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and I'm Cowboy on Twitter and uh, on GitHub. But uh, I am an open source software developer and trainer. I teach people how to write better JavaScript and to understand JavaScript, which uh, if you've ever used javascript you know is a thing (laughs) um and jquery and uh i also write have written a lot of open source javascript uh related projects and other miscellaneous web development stuff i mean i've been doing web development for a really long time yeah your portfolio goes back to like 99 on your website yeah like that's when i started you know 98 99 got a real gig doing that Mm -hmm. i was able to quit radio shack and uh do programming full-time um and I did uh, actually started with a lot of Flash action script stuff, uh, both from a design and a programming standpoint, and uh, kind of graduated into JavaScript. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been doing open source even before web development, you know, just uh, for a long time now. I love it. So you're, you're a little bit famous in the JavaScript world, right? Does this help you score tough reservations or like skip lines at those big JavaScript parties? Uh, well, I mean, you know, there... There's a JavaScript is a very, very widely used language now. Mm. Um, and so, you know, like everyone's kid is programming JavaScript now as part of their high school class or something like that, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, it's ubiquitous. Um, and so I'm not going to pretend that the entire JavaScript world has any idea who I am, but mm. the people who are active in the open source JavaScript community, the people who actually maintain GitHub repos or, you know, post projects or like, you know, know what modernizer is or something like that. Uh, these, these people are, are probably familiar with my work as I am with theirs. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there's, you know, hundreds of people in that group that like speak at conferences and attend conferences, maybe thousands that, Mm. that actually might have any idea, but the vast majority of people, like they don't even know that they can do anything past Googling for like, you know, jQuery carousel or something like that. Sure. So how many, uh, jQuery plugins do you have to your name? Uh, I think there's like 50 now. I mean, I started writing those back when I started using, well, a while after I started using jQuery. That was really early on, back when jQuery was like four different numbers, like 1.1.3.1 or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, but I've, uh, yeah, I just am the kind of guy who likes to generalize the hell out of things and is super thorough in like, I don't know, wants to share things with a lot of people. So yeah. there's yeah. like 50 plugins out yeah, there. Yeah, looking at your, I looked at your profile a bit on your website. Um, and you seem to me like an itch scratcher. Yeah. Like I noticed like, you know, there's, there's world of Warcraft interface plugins. There's Warhammer things. Like it's all kind of all over the place. Whenever you could apply programming to something, it looks like you did pretty much. Like if there's a problem that I can solve, uh, by not actually 
doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But instead, <laughs> like, like I think I, I wrote more, I spent more time writing like a fishing add on for World of Warcraft than I did actually fishing. But then I released it and a lot of people, uh, used it. And then I stopped playing the game and nobody used it ever again. But like, I mean, I started with open source with this game called Tribes. I was known as Cowboy there. I had a scripting site. I like, I was one of, a few dozen people who wrote add-ons for this relatively small but incredibly popular like it, game with these people like they were it was like one of the very first super team based online kind of almost like a sport game but like it was all you know like shooting and first person kind of thing yeah right? first person shooter but like they the, the they had their own um scripting language that you could write in and uh i i did uh and I wrote a bunch of that. Like like my 50 jQuery plugins, I had like a dozen tribes add-ons. Hmm. And I've actually still meet people who are like, are you cowboy of tribes scripting fame? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like awesome. that's how they say it. Like universally, I think that's just the phrase. Um, and it's just hilarious to like find meet somebody who like knows me from my tribe scripts way, 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 way back. Totally. It's, it's interesting to me what a driver video game, like computer games are in our industry. There's so many people that got their start writing like levels for Doom or scripts for the game they're playing. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've... Uh, it's just basically like if I can tweak it, I'm going to tweak it. Now, I used to be the kind of guy, probably to no surprise, that would like build a computer from scratch and like put all of the cards in and do all that stuff. And I mean, I, honestly, I use a Mac laptop now because I don't have to do that. So I can focus my energy on uh, actually making the tweaks in the software I use instead of the hardware I use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like I used to just be like into tweaking every possible thing now i pick my battles you know and and it results mostly in software if honestly like when i i haven't really done a lot of uh uh mmo gaming uh lately tried a few betas but uh you know like when i when i play a game it's actually like a plus to me that i can't mod the config mod the ui in some way <laughs> because that means that i'll be able to spend more time playing and less time tweaking okay because like invariably like i'll i'll play like any game even if it's like a half-life game that only allows you to create like macro aliases and i'll find ways to like come up with aliases that somehow save state so that i can like use keys to like toggle between things or cycle through things in ways that you really like where you're dynamically generating aliases with other aliases like i have code like that it's ridiculous (laughs) so i i like games where there's like no configurability so i can just play wow that's pretty funny so it doesn't tempt your compulsion yeah, honestly, though, I really haven't spent that much time playing lately uh, other than a little Diablo 3 here and there. I've mm-hmm. been uh, just coding, like coding and hanging out with my awesome wife and stuff like that. You know? Cool. So uh, where do you work these days? Oh, I work at Boku. Uh, we're in Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people in the JavaScript community may be familiar mm-hmm. with that, uh, but we do a lot of JavaScript and open web, open source stuff. Mm-hmm. What's How do you define open web? <laughs> Open web is like all the technologies that are kind of centered around uh, Java, JavaScript, HTML5, uh, CSS, other open source technologies like backend things like, uh, you know, Node.js or Ruby or Python or like basically like open source as it's applied to the stuff we see on the interwebs, you okay. know, the internet. Um, so no flash? Uh, no, I mean like – I've got nothing against Flash personally. I used it for a very long time, but it's like really awesome to be able to just view source on a page or like beautify some minified JavaScript or actually see the JavaScript. Uh, what I what I don't really like about Flash is that uh, the, at least the last time I used it uh, a few years ago, 
uh, you really needed to use Adobe's software to compile it. Mm. And so that's like, that's a bit of a drag just because I don't want to use their ID. And for the very last project I ever did in Flash, which was a few years ago, I did like a, a quiz widget that did all this crazy dynamic loading of fonts and CSS and like could be scalable and like crazy stuff. Uh, that one, I actually just made a really simple stub Swift and then everything else was external action script files that I would, all I ever did in Flash was hit like F12 or whatever it was to compile. I didn't even use the interface other mm. than that because I just, you know, I kind of graduated to like wanting my own IDE, my own totally. editor for that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, along those lines, what what are your favorite tools these days? My favorite tools, um, you know, I've been uh, giving Sublime Text to run. Uh, I like it a lot. I was using TextMate for a while, mm-hmm. um, and it just, uh, you know, development kind of like stalled on that. Now there's a TextMate 2 beta, but it was something about the f- adjustments of the font. Like I've, uh, I'm kind of OCD, and I have like a very specific aesthetic style that I'm going for, and it wouldn't let me adjust like the letting and kerning the way I wanted to in the font in TextMate 2 and wow. versus TextMate 1. So the font wasn't quite appearing the way I wanted it to. So I tried Sublime 2, and it actually allowed me to it, – it looks the way I want it to. And when I want a text editor, it's like I want a box that I can put code in that has like a regex search and replace and uh, line numbers and, and really good syntax highlighting. You know, and, you know, obviously the other stuff, but that's like some of the core stuff I look for. Mm. And Sublime Text 2 does a pretty good job of that. Uh, it's not perfect. Like I, I, I've noticed some issues that bug me about the way it handles uh, quotes and pasting and indented code and automatically re-indenting it, stuff like that. But you know what? Maybe they'll fix it. It's not enough that it's killing me, although it does kind of drive me crazy because I am like super OCD about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever heard a developer mention <laughs> kerning in their IDE before. Uh, well, I mean, I, I want the font to like – I've selected a very specific font. I'm using the M plus font. It's an open source a monospace font that's super condensed so mm. I can fit a lot more columns of text in there. What's that called? Uh, M+. Plus. M+. Plus. Yeah, if you uh, you just Google M with the the plus sign or M-P-L-U-S. Oh, and, I see. Uh, yep. They have like five weights and they have two different variants of their monospace font and I've like used it in like my IRC uh, theme simplified for Lincolnness and textual and I've like used it in all of my stuff in my editor. and mm-hmm. uh, But... I, it doesn't quite appear the way I want it to do in, in TextMate 2, and it does appear the way I want it to in TextMate 1 and in Sublime. And so, so you know what? If TextMate 2 added more support for fonts, maybe they have since I last used it, I'll check it out again because, you know what? It did some really cool stuff. Hmm. Um, but right now I'm using Sublime. Let's see. I use, like, iTerm for my terminal. I have uh, a lot of the utilities I use, like, under the hood, like the Rubies and the Nodes and, like, all of my dot files and stuff are actually available in a dot files repo, like... Yep. github.com slash cowboy slash dot files and uh, you can actually see all of the stuff that I install onto a new o- OS 10 or Ubuntu system it's like it's all normalized between both OS's depending mm. on package managers and that's like all of my command line tools I uh, use grunt the the open source uh, JavaScript build tool I've been working on uh, mm. can you talk about that a little bit <clears throat> yeah uh, grunt is uh, this tool that I've been working on that is a result of maintaining you know, like 50 jQuery plugins and a whole bunch of other JavaScript stuff and a lot of miscellaneous um, across many individual projects for uh, quite some time. Uh, so I uh, I realized that every single time that I uh, published uh, uh, a project or had to maintain it or fix some bugs, I'd have to like 
kind of do a lot of the same things over and over again. I'd have to minify. I'd have to. I'd have to concat, add banners on. I'd have to do all this kind of typical stuff you do when you want to release a JavaScript project to a bunch of people, a community whose expectation is that they don't need to know about the build process, but they simply just consume a minified file or something like that. So uh, I had a lot of steps I had to go through. I had to run my unit tests. I had to, I, I should lint my code. I should test it before I publish it, right? Of course. Mm-hmm. So all of my jQuery plugins have unit tests. Um, I don't think I linted them, any of the old plugins. Um, but I would... Uh, you know, I'd publish them. I'd I'd have documentation. I'd have all of this stuff that you you kind of take for granted. If uh, I think, I would imagine predominantly uh, the people who are listening to this podcast are, uh, are members of the Ruby community, uh, and there are many many fantastic tools for automating build processes uh, in Ruby. Well, there's not really a lot of tools in the JavaScript community for doing these things. There are some tools. Uh, there's like Jake, which is kind of like. You know, like rake or make where you can kind of define tasks that uh, <clears throat> perform some common, you know, things like minifying and, you know, smushing your CSS and doing all of these other things. Uh, but and I was actually looking into that. Um, I looked into into Jake and I just found that like, I, well, I looked into make first. Hmm. Uh, and Old school. I, I, well, I've been I've been doing stuff on the command line and bash and whatever since like the mid 90s when I was in college. So, yes, I'm. In my 30s, I'm older than many of you. You look great, um, though. <clears throat> oh, thanks. You're, you're so sweet. Uh, so uh, I, I looked at um, I looked at Make first, and I just realized that yes, of course, you can cat multiple files together. But like, if I wanted to lint stuff, there is no like built-in way to lint things in Bash. So I'd need dependencies there. And like, JS Hint is a really good linting tool that's available in npm Nodes Package Manager. And I was thinking about other things like, oh. I want to parse package.json. And so Bash and uh, the GNU utils that are available to you uh, are not really great at parsing JSON. Uh, and I don't want to, like, grep a JSON file for things. That's Ooh. the wrong way to parse JSON. So uh, <clears throat> make was kind of out. I was like, well, I just need something that has built-in JSON support. So I looked at uh, – I, I, I could have used Ruby. I thought about it, but we do a lot of JavaScript at Boku. I kind of like, I like programming JavaScript. I mean, I really like programming in Ruby. Don't get me wrong. Ruby is super cool. And uh, it's given me a lot of perspective on what I uh, have come to expect out of my programming languages. So Mm -hmm. I I love Ruby, but I program JavaScript all the time. And JavaScript is where, you know, I feel at home. So I wanted to create a JavaScript tool that we could use internally at Boku that I could use in all my projects. Uh, because it's, well, I was but even before creating it, I was like, I'm gonna try Jake because that's like a JavaScript rake or make or whatever that um, that a lot of people are using. So I built this Jake file, which ended up being like over a thousand line long, lines long because I was like, okay, every time I want to concatenate my files, these are the things I want to do, and every every time I want to lint my files, these are the things I want to do, and every time I want to minify, like, and I would build these big tasks and like. So I said before, I'm kind of OCD. Uh, I like, I'm very aesthetically driven. So like, it's not just enough that I minify the, the the files like or concatenate them. I actually want like really nice output that I can grep, that I can parse. Maybe it has a little color. I don't want to go overboard, but I'm just thinking like, I want the output of this tool that I'm going to be using all the time to look kind of nice, to be optimized that way. So you you don't realize it, but when you decide to like come up with like, logging like good logging for your system that actually adds a ton into your code uh and so this jake file ended up starting to get really long because i wanted all this nice logging and i wanted exit codes and i wanted 
uh, to be able to use it kind of maybe for continuous integration and be generalized so that I could share this Jake file across all my projects. And I was like, well, this thing is gigantic and I don't really want to maintain this across all my projects because that is, it's just, what if I change it somewhere then, okay, I have to replicate that across all of my projects if it's, if it's important. So like if it's a sub module, I'd have to update it. It's like, mm. it just seemed like a pain maintenance wise. Right. So I was like, why don't I build a tool that is kind of like Jake, uh, but has like all this stuff built in. So it could have been like a kind of a, a tool that literally wrapped around Jake. But as I started fooling with it more, I realized I wanted my own way of like, running tasks and managing that and creating a plugin system and stuff. And I ended up like just writing a whole new project. I, I don't know how I came up with the name grunt. It just seemed awesome at the time. It does the grunt work for you or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but yeah, like I, I've been, I've been creating this project. I've been working on it for like a year now uh, on and off. And that's why I only have 50 jQuery plugins. Um, you know, I, I realized that to step back a little bit, part of my problem was that like I had all these jQuery plugins and maintaining them was kind of annoying because I had lots of uh, they have lots of things I needed to do every single time I wanted to edit one or release one. And then also when I wanted to create a new project, I realized it was kind of a pain. I actually had like a boilerplate jQuery plugin repo that I would like, I'd clone the repo, delete the Git folder and then do a Git in it. And then I would start modifying things. And that was like, it was a step in the right direction, but it was so tiresome that I just stopped doing that and I just created gists on GitHub. Like I created gist, like here's my plugin code and here's like a usage file or some, or even some uh, unit tests or something like that. But I would never document it. I would never properly set it up as a project. So I have like dozens of like gists with jQuery plugins that you don't even know about because, because they're not published or anything like that. So I was like, I need to make this easier. I need to make that easier and the building a project. So I actually wrote a task built into Grunt for initializing new projects. It asks you some questions. When you're all done, it scaffolds out all the things in a structure that I think I would recommend to people. Hmm. And so, like, there's one for a jQuery plugin. And I've actually worked with the jQuery guys, uh, who I'm in very close contact with all the time anyways, uh, because of the contributions I've done there and the community and stuff. Uh, I've worked with them to actually make the jQuery uh, plugin init template in Grunt uh, create a jQuery plugins index compatible manifest file and all these things. And I've worked with Scott Gonzalez and uh, Jern Zephyr to like make sure that that totally makes sense. So like someone the like the recommended way of initializing, creating a jQuery plugin really would be like do a grunt init colon jQuery in a new directory, answer the questions and bam, like you could tweak that code and just publish it right Beautiful. to the jQuery plugin site. Awesome. Once they finish it, which I think is soon, but you know, it, it takes as much time as it takes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, the tool makes my life a lot easier. It's, uh, it's, you know, 0.3 point whatever right now. And I'm, I'm soon, hopefully going to re- release 0.4. Most of the remaining things for that are documentation at this point. Um, where there's a bunch of changes and stuff, but all community driven, like, well, almost all, like I've had my ideas, how I want to improve it, but I've really opened up the project to the community and say, Hey, if you guys have suggestions, let me know. Like, if it doesn't fit in with my vision for the project, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put it in. But a lot of community suggestions have driven uh, the features being added into zero four. So, like, you know, there will be some changes. You know, your your project would might break if you just upgrade it. Um, but that being said, there are features that people have requested, and is that this seem like a good idea? Is this on GitHub? Oh yeah, it's a uh, GitHub.com. 
uh, slash cowboy slash grunt. It's going to be moving to a grunt JS organization soon, so it would be uh, slash grunt JS slash grunt. Okay, uh, but, but so, it's not there yet. So you're saying that people are offering <laughs> suggestions? Are they offering pull requests too? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a handful of outstanding pull requests. Um, I am constantly integrating them. Like actually. See, this is like this is the way I am. Like I, I uh, just a couple weeks ago wrote like a, a big bash script to like do a, a GitHub pull re- pull request helper, and I wrote it, of course, in a very generic way, but you know it checks things out into a branch. It uh, rebases the branch that they issued the pull request from onto that, uh, so that I can actually see if everything uh, rebased correctly. If not, I can ask them to fix it, whatever. And then when I'm all done, it like does a squash merge, giving credit to the original author and all this stuff mm-hmm. um, that I talked to uh, the jQuery project and uh, those guys and some other people I know and asked them what their process is because it was getting a little difficult for me to manage pull requests and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's actually really informed my process. And I've released it as a bash script. And you know what? If I like it, if I use it enough and I'm happy, I'll probably write it as a, a grunt plugin or include it in grunt or something like that yeah. because like I do this all the time, you know, what's um, that called? Just in case people want to grab it. That's in my dot files repo okay. in the, in the bin folder. It's just called GPR, uh, okay. like is in GitHub pull request. Uh, it's just a bash script right now. And if you were to run GPR, like pull it down and do GPR dash dash help, it will t- list out the process, like all the steps, so you can see what it does before you to try before you try it out. Okay, that's kind of a work in progress, but it's it's what I've been using to close all my pull requests for Grunt, and it's have helped. But I've got a lot of pull requests uh, and a lot of issues open, and a lot of really good discussion around things. We have an IRC channel on Freenode, uh, Pound Grunt. Uh, Great. Yeah. So, I mean, come on in if you if you used it for your JavaScript or whatever, and have any suggestions. And I've got a plugin system for it. Uh, and there's there are all the plugins are published to npm because grunt is an npm module so i figure why not you know uh why not let npm do all of my dependency management so that i don't have to deal with that right now and there's over 50 plugins there so a lot of people have written plugins from like compiling less or sass um or like require js or like coffee script support grunt actually uh, supports coffee script natively like it, it's got like there's tons of plugins that people have written for it so Cool. That actually brings me to something I wanted to ask you about with um, CoffeeScript, yeah or nay? Uh, so CoffeeScript is uh, is really neat. Um, that's not an answer to your question. But uh, <laughs> what, after, after having programmed Ruby a bit, uh, I really enjoy uh, the idea of CoffeeScript and the things that it gives. Um, and I've actually really considered uh, using it a few times. But uh, until browsers and the environments that I use get really proper source map support, which is the ability to uh, kind of figure out by parsing like this, the the AST of like the language itself, the before and after, um, figure out like, hey, there's an error on this line of JavaScript. What line does that translate to in CoffeeScript? Like until there's really good support for that, I'm definitely not going to use it because I don't want to introduce anything into my process that's going to uh, make debugging any more difficult. Now, mm. I can read that JavaScript. Like the the JavaScript that that CoffeeScript compiles to, I, I get it. I understand it. I, I, I understand JavaScript. But like still that makes my work a little harder. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm not going to use CoffeeScript until – that is more ubiquitous. Uh, it, I mean, I'm it's sure getting it's, there, right? Yeah. I, th- I think it's yeah, it's supported in in certain environments already. It's mm-hmm. cool. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm not. I, I can't. I can't like go down that road until that becomes like a non-issue. Just because uh, I've 
it's hard enough to debug just regular code. Like yeah. this, I mean, you, you, Grunt is you know thousands of lines of JavaScript, lots of dependencies, and lots of stuff going on. I mean, I've I've got a lot of unit tests, but I don't have full coverage because there's so much uh, to test at the moment. Uh, and like introducing CoffeeScript in there is uh is is kind of rough um mm-hmm. but and that being said like i understand javascript so it's like i don't need coffee script like i understand how this works in javascript i understand yeah. uh, how to uh, you know what the rules are for like uh lexical scope and uh you know type coercion and all that stuff so i don't like need another language but mm-hmm. i mean it does look really cool and it's like it's a it's a language i want uh, to be able to use more what i'd really like is i'd like to, to see javascript going more in that direction in the future but you know yeah they're they're working on ES next. They're working on the next version of JavaScript, and they'll do whatever they determine is <laughs> is good for the language or wh- whatever. I yeah. Don't know. So so what what is your definition of good JavaScript? <laughs> like what? How does the code that you write today look versus a couple no. of years ago? Like what? <laughs> um, you know, I, I teach I teach people how to how to write JavaScript, and I try. I like to think that I teach them how to write good JavaScript, but of course, kind of subjective. Uh, all I know is that the code that I wrote, like if you look at any of those 50 jQuery plugins that was published in 2009, mm. the code is, it's hard to maintain. And and I've actually uh, really adjusted my style, uh, my coding style over the last few years to mm. kind of think about this. Like, And this is, this is one of the things that I both love and hate about Ruby, for example. Ruby allows you to be very expressive with your style. I mean, you could like use parens or not use parens when you're invoking a method, you know, like it, depending on what you're trying to do. And and because of that, because of the way you can like, um, you know, redefine operators, and uh, because of the way you can be super expressive, it allows you to write Ruby code that's like, this code looks like what I want it to look like. It's super aesthetically pleasing, and it like it's just amazing, and minds are being blown. But at the same time, like I just imagine working in a team of developers who like I was the lead developer, and the people under me were all the kind of like. C and B student developers, which like you see a lot in the enterprise, you know, like they're warm bodies that are like, they have to write like LOC lines of code. Yeah, is, like yeah. what they're, what they have to do. Those people would be the, I don't know what to do with these parens. And they would write horrible things with my crazy DSL on top of like that. I've developed uh, uh, in a very expressive language like that. So like it, if I were to extrapolate that back to JavaScript and say like, or just programming in general, like the more clever you get with your code the harder it is for non-clever people to get it. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, I don't like to say this. And I, I'll, of course, say, like, all of the students of all my classes are the, the, the smartest JavaScripters out there. But, you know, these are beginners. They're really, like, they're, they're new to JavaScript. They're maybe new to programming. They're maybe not, like, they, they have bad practices that they've developed. And, like, when I, like, I'm hesitant to show people, like, the conditional operator in JavaScript, you know, which is the one where, like, you know, condition, question mark, expression if true, colon, expression okay, if ternary, false. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people call it the ternary operator because yep. it's a ternary. It accepts three operands. Right. But I think it's actually called the conditional operator, whatever. The yeah. ternary conditional operator, yeah, I'll yeah, cover yeah. it there. Like, see, I get, like, these little pet peeves about terminology. Um, whatever. As long as people understand what you're saying, then you've done your job. Right. You don't call so, every method that takes two op- two arguments a binary. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I might use the word variatic in my training or arity, but I'm going to also say what that means because most people, right, don't get it um, yeah. or they've never heard it before. Um, but, like, um, 
geez, where the hell was I? I was, <laughs> what is good JavaScript? Oh, just, yeah. So like the problem is, is like I, I'm hesitant to show people like the ternary conditional operator because they'll try to be a little too clever with it. And they'll like, they'll use parens, the, the JavaScript grouping operator to like put like entire strings of expressions, like comma separated inside of parens instead of like doing like an if statement you know like a mm-hmm. control statement with like a block curly braces and an else like they'll they'll try to be super clever using conditionals and yeah. the reason i originally did this in my code in my old jquery plugins is because back then i was using the yui minifier yui compressor whatever it's called i'm using uglify js now which actually parses like the ast tree and like does all these optimizations like where it can by like huh. convert it, it'll take an if else and convert it into like a ternary uh, conditional so with, with parens. Yeah, so you can make it super short. Like, you know, why use if and else when you can use a question mark and a colon, right? And so if it makes it smaller, it'll do that, which it, it does. The thing is when I was using YUI compressor, it doesn't do that. It's like more like the, hey, we'll remove white space. We'll, it, it felt like, I don't know what they're doing under the hood because I never really analyzed it, but it felt more like it was parsing the JavaScript as like a string that could be manipulated instead of really parsing it as like a syntax tree. Right. So, um, and again, I don't know what they did, but all I do know is that like, if you have like ver foo equals one semicolon, ver bar equals two, Uglify will make that ver foo equals one comma bar equals two. YUI won't. YUI won't optimize a lot of things that it could that are technically different JavaScript, but functionally equivalent. Um, and so as a result, I would write code that I would pre-optimize for uh, the minifier, yep. which is huge no-no. I know you guys love to do that. And the JS 1K compos, like where you're like making your 1K of JavaScript, I've done that too. I've used all these things that I've learned to make stupid 1K demos, or actually it's really the same 1K demo that I keep repurposing because I have no original ideas there. But um, like I would uh, write that in my jQuery plugins and my JavaScript code. And the problem is, is like, you can only maintain that code if you're editing it like while you're creating it. You, It's really right. hard to go back to code like that. It's hard enough to go back to very well-written commented code afterwards because you really have to think about what's the problem I was trying to solve, what was the overall approach. If you're like compounding that by saying like, I need to decipher this crazy syntax that's super hyper-optimized because I don't want to use a variable or something like that, it makes it so much harder to maintain code. So I have pull requests open on these jQuery plugins that are probably going to stay open for a while because I don't want to modify that code because I was way too clever when I wrote it. Mm. Um, and it made it small, but now, man, like, I use a tool to minify your code. Like, yeah. seriously, like, rely on tools. There are a lot of very, very well-written tools that will do really, really smart things to your code so that you can just write the code that you need to write to be able to maintain it. Yeah, and I would I would extrapolate that rule even though it's, it's not even just about don't write code that a minifier could minify for you. Like, don't, just don't be clever in general. Well, like it's it's the more the more cleverness you try to put in there, the harder it is to come back to. Yeah, well, you want to like try to avoid the unnecessary cleverness uh just in general. Like right. I it's nice to be clever, but be clever like in your general solutions to problems and not in like the individual characters or syntax that you're using in your code. Like I I use semicolons at the end of lines, even though technically in JavaScript you can omit them because JavaScript will add them in for you, you know? But, like, I found that for the kind of people who are looking at my code, which is, like, the 98% or 99% of JavaScript users who are, like, not the guys who understand the rules of ASI or automatic semicolon insertion, like, there's some people who understand it, but most people don't. And so, like, why complicate things? Because I teach classes, and if I were to start 
just omitting semicolons, like except for where they're absolutely needed, people would be so confused by it. I mean, there these people are already really confused by like the way scoping works, the way this works, the way like uh, variable declaration hoisting works, coercion in JavaScript. There are plenty of unescapable, unavoidable issues in JavaScript. Like I'm going to like try to minimize the ones that I can minimize, totally. right? It's interesting. I feel like I see this theme in people that have been coding for a long time is like they tend towards simplicity. Well, at the end of the day, there's like there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of approaches to this, right? There's the there's the the aesthete, the kind of person who like looks at their code from an aesthetic standpoint and says like I want my code to be beautiful. And of course, I I do want my code to be beautiful, but I come at, at, from the pedagogue standpoint, which is like that I'm a teacher. You know, mm. I train people. I I have to answer questions, and like the those two things kind of they uh, they kind of fight back and forth. I think a lot of people evolve from uh, from the aesthete to the pedagogue, like as they as they go through uh, their life, because they start off being like, "Hey, I want to be cool," and then they're like, "Hey, I am in a position of more responsibility. I want my life to be easier, right?" Mm-hmm. And so, I, and this doesn't hold true for everyone, but it just seems to be the case where, like, you know, I used to want my code to look a certain way now. I I want it to be as as consumable as possible and maintainable as possible by the most number of people and I've learned that to like that. You know, mm-hmm. I've taught myself to like that and like you know there there are a lot of things I every once in a while I tweet about it and people are infuriated by the fact that I'm bringing up this subject of semicolons again when we have much more important things to discuss. But like, you know, like I used to have a very rigid idea of what my code should look like. And that has changed over time uh, with uh, – in part due to other people making observations that I hadn't really considered. Mm. And so I'm just like – I could say like I'm providing that service. Uh, but really it's just something that like other people will talk about, you know, like these – what's the best way to approach uh, application design patterns in JavaScript and like MVC, MVVM, all these other things, client server separation templates. And I'm like – I'm focusing on like the basic stuff. And I think we can focus on all of that or not focus on it, but I think these these things can be thrown around and and conversations go on about them uh kind of at the same time, you know, like people will focus on whichever one seems to be the most important to them. And yeah. if all they're focusing on is semicolons, mm-hmm. then their priorities are probably a little out of whack. Mine, well, I'm a teacher, so I like I teach my classes, I cover all this stuff, but I don't know. Gotcha. Then I have to edit someone else's code or or look through their code to figure out what's going on because I can't read their documentation or it's confusing or whatever. And I uh, or I just am curious and I'm like, oh god, I can't stand looking at this code. Then I complain about it on Twitter. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the pretty typical, I think. Yeah. So, so are you involved uh, in hiring at Boku? Uh, well, I'm not involved directly in hiring, but as a member of Boku, we have like you know about 15 people or so. Yeah. Uh, I'm involved in. You know, ev- pretty much everything. Okay. You know, there uh, here, here, there. So, what do you look for in, in people that you're you're interviewing? Uh, well, I like a lot of what I do is uh, assess people for like cultural fit kind of thing. You okay. know, like I want people that are like that have a really good attitude towards the work that they do, who are passionate, um, who are really interested in uh, creating like the highest quality work because they they understand that the work that they create, that the things that they say in public. Uh, when they work at Boku, kind of represent Boku, even if totally. they disclaim them and say, you know, these things don't represent Boku. Well, I mean, you know, you work at Boku, you're part of the company. So, like, I try to, like, just make sure that people are, are uh, 
you know, like a, the, a, a good fit that way. And, you know, we, we have some amazing people there, mm. uh, really, really talented uh, developers and technologists and uh, just thinkers in general. Uh, and they're all like, uh, you know, I, I wasn't the first person to get hired at Boku. I was like, uh, the, I don't know, single digit somewhere. Mm. Um, and, the, you know, everyone, everyone there has been, I don't know, super cool, like good passionate like really passionate people like most of the people Boku like want to speak at conferences or actually speak like I think most of us speak at conferences yeah. do you, you know? do you enjoy that yeah uh I do I get you know like usually the when it comes time to prepare my materials I hate it yeah, exactly. <laughs> because it's work and, mm-hmm. and I've always have something I want to do mm-hmm. but I like speaking like I was uh I spoke at the jQuery conference in San Francisco not too long ago about grunt uh and uh you know it was nice getting up in front of 600 people and talking about this, like literally just opening up a, a shell and showing people what I've been doing for 35 minutes. Yeah, uh, oh, that's great. And yeah, and people seem they they want that information. You know, if we can talk about something that people want to hear, then they'll respond pretty well to it, right? Totally. Uh, and so uh, apparently people wanted to hear about that. And I talked about it, did a breakout session almost right after that, filled up the room. That was really neat. I mean, like it's it's validating to see that people are really interested in hearing me speak. And it's also between the trainings and the public speaking. It's just getting gotten me better at uh, articulating my thoughts in a more uh, kind of consistent way. Maybe less rambling, although I do ramble a lot. All you people who are listening to this can tell because there's so many things to say. They won't know. We're going to edit it way down. You're going to sound really concise and intelligent. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's possible because everything is like a run-on sentence always. And so, like, if you were to try to, but if edit, they all run on, we can splice them together without a big deal. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a really good editor. He's going to take care of it. Awesome! You're putting a lot of responsibility. I'm like, he's—I see him sitting out there. And yeah, he's just he, like he's slowly weeping as your sentences go he's on. Like, and he's giving on you like the throat on. cut. He's like, please, no more. He's, well, this is definitely getting edited out. Or, oh, definitely, no or, one will ever hear this. Not. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I, I do like public speaking. Uh, I enjoy it. I've always liked. Well, I, I I shouldn't say always because as a kid, as a teenager, I was really shy, introverted. Um, mm-hmm kept myself a lot but at some point in college uh i guess uh some of my roommates got fed up with me at the time some of my sweet mates and they were like there was like this come to jesus moment where they basically were like you have to clean your act up because you are really difficult to live with and around that time i like i did i i clean my act up i try to actually think like hey it's not just about me and my perception of like you know, my role around here. It's like other people I'm living with. And, you know, so I, I like clean myself up around then. I started to like, uh, um, you know, like get more into public speaking. I was actually starting to get into music. Then I was, I uh, picked up the bass and I, I've been playing that for a long time. Yeah. And so I did that around then. So I, all this kind of, uh, worked together to, to get me into being more comfortable in public. I mean, it, what's really funny is like, I've played in front of thousands of people, my bass, awesome. but speaking in front of uh, hundreds or thousands of people or whatever is, it's like a totally different thing. It's you just, everything individually you have to get comfortable with. Like if Mm -hmm. I was to learn to juggle in front of a thousand people, like that would be another thing that I'd have to get used to, you know, like they're all different things. It's not just like getting up in front of people. It's the, that particular act. And I've, I I like speaking. I mean, I've, I've gotten more into it. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think part of it is that like people are like interested in what I have to say. So that's neat. Like it's super cool that like, and you mentioned earlier that it's it's nice because it forces you to sort of articulate your thoughts better. 
And one of my favorite things, my favorite conference trick is submitting proposals on topics that I don't quite understand yet because then it's like I have this looming deadline. It's like, well, I really, I guess I really need to learn about this now. Yeah. And, and I end up with like a, a much higher mastery of that topic by the time I'm done. Yeah. I have no desire to do that. Like I, <laughs> I only want to talk about like, I mean, that's cool and I totally get it. But at the same time, like I know when it comes down to it, like I would much be rather working on the things that I like my my to do list is infinite. Like it's epic. Mm -hmm. Like I've written it on whiteboards and like that we moved like from Boku to an old space to a new space and that whiteboard got erased. And now that to do list is gone. And like I probably still have like 50 things that I should still do that. I you know, like the the list is constantly growing. Mm. Um, So it's really it it really hard for me to be like, yeah, I'm going to just arbitrarily learn about this new thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. That, that being said, someone posts something in IRC or I see something on Twitter and I write a little JavaScript library to handle that or something. So it's the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, it happens organically for me. Yeah. What's your favorite whiskey? My favorite whiskey? Uh, you know, interesting. I, I really, I've been drinking um, some bourbons and scotches lately. Okay. Uh, I get I get mixed up between what what is what honestly because they're all like whiskeys but yeah i really like uh mcallen 17 and 18 Mm -hmm. uh both are different tasting and uh both are great i like i like i don't like smoky um i love uh um oh i love bullet bourbon you know Mm, what super inexpensive yeah like a glass will be like you know six bucks or something but like it's just great. It's really good value, like really good flavor. So I like, I like things kind of along those lines. Uh, we've tried some others. My wife has been uh, getting really into whiskey lately. So uh, so we've we've got like a supply. Yeah, of it that's, right uh, that's, now. that's why I asked that is I, I ended up on your wife's blog actually. Yeah, it's okay. Like 10 whiskey <laughs> posts with, yeah. with considerably worse spelling than the other posts. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's awesome. I mean, we, and what's nice is we have a lot of overlap in our tastes, mm. so it like it we can justify spending a little bit more in a bottle because we're no, we're, we're both gonna it. enjoy it. Absolutely, exactly. that makes sense. You don't have to justify it to each other. So I definitely my faves would be like the 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 older Macallans. I also like the Macallan Cast Strength. Oh, and uh, we just had um, was it Redbreast um Cask Strength, which was really really nice. Also, we just got that one. That was pretty awesome. Cool. So I have I have one question. We sometimes get questions from our uh, listeners. Okay. I got one for you. Um, it's from Edward. It says, is it important to know vanilla JavaScript in this day and age of sophisticated libraries like jQuery? It feels important to me, but much of the community seems to feel the opposite. For example, many Stack Overflow questions are often answered with, just use this jQuery plugin. Well, you know, like, yes. The answer is yes. Like, uh, I think... That that kind of knowledge and mastery, uh, and I use the I'm going to say like mastery in air quotes because that's kind of a relative term. There's a there's a lot of levels of understanding of anything in JavaScript, notwithstanding, right? Uh, so um, the there's a lot of value into understanding JavaScript because like when you when you put like dollar sign and then parens and put like quotes and then have a CSS selector string in the quotes, like what? What is that? A lot of people say that's a jQuery object, right? Well, that's a function. Dollar sign and jQuery are both global functions. They both are references to the same function object, right, uh, that you can invoke. You pass in a selector string mm-hmm. into that function, and that function will return a jQuery object, which is like an object which is an instance of uh, jQuery uh, that, you know, like you can actually – you could use instance of and stuff like that. The thing is like – 
it's it's really hard to understand that just by looking at it if you're really new to it. And I know when I first used jQuery, I actually – this was like in 2006 or so. Actually, a friend recommended it to me to solve some problems that I was having around like things like the DOM content loaded, uh, the DOM being – the document being um, – uh, parsed mm-hmm. uh, and ready to go, and uh, I stop. I didn't use it because I didn't understand what this magical dollar sign thing was. After using languages like Perl in the past, like dollar sign in Perl is like a sigil that is uh, at the beginning of a variable to tell you like the kind of value that's in that variable. Well, in JavaScript, I didn't. I'd never seen that before, and I was like, oh my god, like what? Did, what does this even mean? You know, it turns out a few years later, I learned that dollar sign was just a valid character in a variable name in JavaScript. Uh, but like at the time, it, it was like that between that and chaining, seeing all these dot mm. methods, I just didn't understand that because I wasn't I wasn't like a classically trained uh, like uh, I just say that, like a, like a musician. I, I didn't go to like school. Classically for, trained JS yeah. master. <laughs> uh, classically trained uh, programmer engineer. No, I, I I hadn't. I went to school for CS for a short time, and uh, I didn't really go far there because mm. I switched to music. It's but. <laughs> it's interesting. We have a uh, we have a similar f- there's a similar flavor question to this in the Ruby world, which is, do I need to learn Ruby before I learn Rails? Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, sort of, because you're writing Ruby. Yeah, like when I when I learned Ruby, I learned Ruby. I I still haven't used Rails. I didn't need to use Rails to write like uh the ORM I was writing just for general Ruby use. Of course I never finished that, but that's another story. But like, yeah, you you need to learn uh, the language in question because like think about it this way if you're like saying you know if if you want to say like if something about this jQuery object then do this else do this well jQuery does provide a lot of things implicitly that give you that kind of behavior but if you need to be ever be more explicit you're going to be using if and else I mean those aren't jQuery those are that's a JavaScript control, control flow statement you know that allows you to uh, do things that are external to jQuery. I mean, jQuery is really great for doing like DOM manipulations, event handling, effects, Ajax. Those are kind of like basic core things, but it doesn't give you control flow. You know, uh, it doesn't give you uh, a lot of, it doesn't give you things outside of like those, those kind of DOM or Ajax centric behaviors. It won't help you on server side. You know, it doesn't have any template things building. It has a few string processing methods, but like what if you wanted to like sort an array? jQuery won't sort your array. Like right. if you wanted to sort JavaScript, right, sorts arrays uh, in dictionary order. So if you had like 1, 2, 3, 11, 22, 33, it would sort it as 1, 11, 2, 22, 3, 33. If you want to sort a, an array in numeric order, you actually have to pass it a comparator function and understand kind of a little bit what JavaScript is doing there. If, I mean like there's a lot of things that you need to know JavaScript to do. Now – Maybe you in your job don't need to understand JavaScript and you can get by using jQuery, but you're not going to go really far. Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you want to go far, if you want to like – if you're interested in learning and be, being a better, more well-rounded developer, you should learn JavaScript. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's the official answer. Sounds good. So um, if people wanted to get in touch with you or Boku, how would they do that? Well, I mean you can go to Boku.com if you want to – That's spelled – B-O-C-O-U-P.com. We've got a big rooster on the screen talking about open web technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, if you're interested in one of the training classes that I or one of the other instructors teach, there's a training section. Mm-hmm. We put on conferences and do events and stuff like that. So we have a whole community section. We do a lot of uh, meetups and things like that in our location. Uh And, of course, we're actually a company that does consulting work uh, for other companies. So if you're a company and you're interested in badass JavaScript stuff, 
go to the consulting page and check it out. I mean, we've got a lot of info on Boku.com uh, with links to contact us and things like that. Me personally, uh, you can find me at BenAlman.com, B-E-N-A-L-M-A-N.com, uh, or on Twitter as Cowboy or GitHub as Cowboy as well. Awesome. Well, I think that just about wraps things up. Uh, ben, All right. thanks very much for coming by and chatting with me. It was uh, you're very great. Welcome. I learned a lot. Um, <laughs> so uh, you heard me mention before that often on the podcast, we take time to answer questions. If you have something that you'd like us to tackle on the air, you can call us at 877-9-ROBOTS, extension 198, and leave a voicemail. You can also email them to info at thoughtbot.com or tweet to us at thoughtbot. And now uh, to sign off, I'm, we're going to leave you with a little bit of music featuring Ben Allman on bass. Oh, geez. What music is this? <laughs> right from your site. <laughs> oh, God. You put it out there. Oh, that's cool. Enjoy it. I've got, there's, there's plenty more. All right. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Take care.